Welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast and part two of our discussion about lodge dues. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. conversation we were talking about our um, Connor had just proposed the due structure where we would be able to have a graduated due sort of a progressive structure for different people and David was saying how we ought to save some more money and in, in our lodges and not uh not just spend everything we have but start building up war chests so but I, he believe, said, Go. I believe he also I believe he also mentioned uh trying to buy people cars can I get a working tools podcast lodge number one please? <laughs> I, I, was, I, I just was I, I will. I'll, I'll. I'll take a 2019 Range Rover with all the bells and whistles in English race and green, please. <laughs> I just was thinking it was. It was surprising to me when I joined Masonry. Several things, of course, but, but the, the the monetary side of things was interesting. I, I was I was shocked that there wasn't a war chest. That every lodge didn't have a million dollars or or a significant amount of savings. And they're always scraping to be able to provide charitable works. And it was just something we talk about. I understand charity is a different word. Always doesn't always mean money. But that there's, there's a few lodges out there that have a lot of money. And usually it's because they've been fortunate to sell their land or building or whatever. It's not necessarily because they budgeted properly or planned for it over the last hundred years. So it's a kind of an anomaly. Well, the other part, the, I don't, I don't know what it's like down in, in Washington there, but in BC, our lodges, um, they have to have a holding society created to own the building. And so a lodge can't own the building. But that has more to do with BC's laws than anything else. Well, we, we have a similar holding corporation issue, but, the, but that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not talking about the value and the building. I mean, you could have a $10 million building and the lodge could still be broke because the building's not making any money. Mm. Yeah, see, in our case, with Prince Charles Lodge and St. George's Lodge, um, our building has a management team, a holding society, uh, made up of the various members of our, our organizations, right? And they, we have renters in the commercial part downstairs, and so they manage all of that. And they've got, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank, um, you know, contingency, contingency funds and things like that. But it's what keeps our dues cheap because if we didn't have those uh, to pay our mortgage, our dues would be, you know, probably four or five hundred dollars a piece. Right. And so do you have significant charities like a scholarship fund for high schoolers that you give fifty thousand dollars a year away for scholarships or? No, no, we don't have that kind of money to give away. We had uh, our lodge anyways had. Uh, a couple of members that passed that left us uh, some money 
forty or fifty thousand dollars or something like that, and that that was put into um, because it was you know bequeathed money. We put it into a fund, and then the interest that that fund uh, generates, we donate that interest to uh, the scholarship fund, and then that gets drawn from as need be. Let's see if your if your dues had been significant enough over the over the, how how old is your lodge? How long has it been around? uh 75 years yeah so if your lodge <laughs> if, if from the beginning the, the dues had been significant enough and you'd have been developing some kind of a charity fund over those 75 years and you had a million dollars in there wouldn't it be awesome to be able to give fifty hundred thousand dollars a year away in charities scholarships ho homeless cancer yep. car, or whatever well, I mean, yep asher lodge is older than the country and we have a certain amount of money in the bank, but we certainly couldn't, you know, give away hundreds of thousands a year. And and wouldn't that be cool? Oh, it would be really cool. You gotta un unmute yourself, bud. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I thought it was being clever and, just, and taking out the background noise, but it it would be really cool. And the only uh, organization I am aware of is Grand Lodge who gives out a hundred plus thousand dollars a year in, in uh, bursaries. And that again is coming from the interest on investments. Right. So the our, our lodge years ago sold our building uh, before I joined. So 15, 20 years ago. And so we have some money left over from that. And the idea is everyone says, Oh, someday we're going to buy a new lodge building. We're not just going to be renters. We're going to own a new building. And I said when I was master the first time and we raised the dues, you know, we should raise the dues 10 bucks more and put that extra 10 bucks into the building fund. You know, and everyone said, ah, $10 a member, you know, we've got like a hundred members. That's a thousand dollars a year. Why even bother? But yeah, if we'd started back 10 years ago when I was master the first time, we would have some money. You know, how do they tell you to save for retirement, right? You put a little bit away every month that you, just because you can't do it today doesn't mean a little bit at a time you can get there, right? Time, patience, and perseverance accomplish all things. Someone said. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. That's what was. I couldn't believe it that the there isn't something being saved and something being planned. I, mean, I remember when I joined the Mason that helped me to get started. When he was, you know, Connor earlier was talking about the the rich guys from the U.S. I'm I'm not wealthy by any means. I wouldn't consider myself wealthy. However, at that time, I was kind of thinking about, be, I, I, was, I was doing a lot of golfing, so I thought it'd be interesting to look at golf memberships. And so I was looking around at some places to join a golf club. And they're crazy expensive, a lot of them. There's a few that are you know, relatively inexpensive, but there's some that are crazy, you know, $10,000 to join and then $500 a month or $1,000 a month to be a member and, or, or lots more in some cases. There's a couple that are less. And so I was thinking about this mystic society, this mystic society and when we were sitting down and he, he was saying, oh, there's, uh, there is a financial commitment involved. And I thought, oh, oh here it comes. It's going to be, you know, thousand dollars to join or five thousand dollars to join, or, you know, a thousand dollars a year or whatever. And he said, dues are sixty dollars. I said, you mean a month? <laughs> he said, no, a year. I said, well, my Lions Club dues are eighty five. <laughs> and, you know, and he said the, the membership fee is one hundred and seventy five dollars. I thought. Okay, and that, so I was baffled. I thought, was this not what I'm thinking? It is is this not the, the amazing secret society? And then again, when we get involved and get started, and you find out lodges are sometimes hand to mouth or going backwards, they're spending their 
their bankroll. It, it's it's kind of baffling to me. That, that's why I don't understand why more lodges don't do, uh, you know, this is our budget and divide it amongst the membership and then things are covered, right? You know, it, it's never made any sense to me how they could work in a deficit budget. Right? But shouldn't that budget include your charities for one, but also the uh, saving for the future, like Matt was saying? what now maybe you have a lodge everything's fine I, I agree i think the lodge itself the building itself should be paying for itself and if you know if, if matt's lodge wanted to restart a new a building fund that's a whole different topic it's all the subject for his lodge to to regenerate those funds but uh, it, but what you know once you once you lose a building why why did that happen what what were the causes for the loss of the building was it poor management was it what you know in in a lot of lodges I talk to that <clears throat> don't have lodges, they say, well, gosh, we didn't do it right the first time. How are we going to fix it the second time? Right. And I, I think I think there's something to be said for that thought. And actually, as we um, uh, are going to be having this heavy discussion in our lodge in, in the next uh, BOGP um, and other meetings coming up real quick, uh, I, I like that idea of, you know, an extra 50 bucks a year per person to go – and it just goes into a, 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 a sustainability fund that, you know, we're building up that war chest for the what if days, for the rainy day fund, for for whatever, to just to build our, our, our stability. Our financial stability needs to be there. And if that's what it takes to give it a little added security, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, maybe I'm just saying that because, I only pay dues to one lodge and then Scottish right. So, you know, all in all, I think um, those are rookie numbers, rookie numbers. You got to yeah. pump up those numbers. Yeah, I mean, the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to join. I got 150 and I got 80. Right. So, you know, join, join, join Royal arch, right, the best yeah. arch. No, you see, you got to have time to do all those extra things, right? And I just don't. You have, have as much time as you want. Yeah, that's what my wife thinks too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this is not reality. I only have so much time in the day. You know, they, they, what's that first lesson we're taught is enter the princes and how to divide up the twenty-four hours in a day. Amen, brother. And, Amen. Uh, and, and and also the 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 idea of their your more penniless state. I mean, if if we're <sighs> I go back to my comment about about the what you're getting out of the lodge and Matt's comment about value. His question about value: if if you had to pay a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a year to join a lodge, or to join a, a Scottish Rite, or to join York Rite, or to join You Should Star, it you it would be a very serious decision. And I know Connor mentioned earlier about being a young man and trying to develop himself and. I've had these conversations. I'm kind of the West gatekeeper for our lodge. And I've had those conversations with, with guys kind of starting out in life. And even the, even the $80 we charge or the $200 we charge for entrance and the $80 a year can be difficult for some guys. And I say, gosh, if that's a difficulty, then maybe at this stage in your life, masonry isn't the choice. And I agree. It shouldn't be a, a, a rich person's event, but $1,200 a year, just as that number again, maybe it's 600, maybe it's 500, whatever the number is, it, it shouldn't be some, someone was saying to me uh, that maybe it should be connected to the sales tax in our case, Washington for that region, or was that you Matt? or somebody we're talking about uh, the sales tax 
because different is different sales tax rates for different areas. I don't know if the same applies to your VAT in Canada. But that's a brilliant idea. I think our jurisdictions, our our, our province of British Columbia, should charge a one percent sales tax and give it to Freemasonry. <laughs> it's an indexed rate. So, do you do you all pay different tax rates based on your cities or your? I have no idea what I pay in taxes. My accountant does. Because you have a, you have a VAT, which is a federal tax, right? This is the province tax. Yeah, now, now you're talking income tax or sales tax? Yeah, I'm sorry, sales tax, whatever your sales tax would be. We have HST, no, we have provincial sales tax and general sales tax. And are, are they different based on your province, right? Your province is... Yeah, yeah. so, so when, I'm, when I'm selling someone a kilt, I charge them 7%, which is provincial sales tax, and 5%, which is general sales tax, which, which is the national sales tax. Right. So you don't, have a city, you don't have a city variable tax, right? Or a yeah. Right, but you see, like, somebody in Saskatoon, they have a different sales tax. They wouldn't be charging me that if I purchased something in Saskatoon online or something like that. So, yeah, we have different taxes for each province. Now we have the federal tax, which is the same. That's the GST, the 5%. Everybody else's provincial taxes are different. But you're... you're your provinces would kind of be equivalent to our states, if you will, yeah. kind of. I mean, so, so what we have, we don't have a state tax and we don't have an income tax in Washington. We do each of the counties, which is a regional area, has its own tax rate. And then each of the cities have their own, their own tax rate. So you could have, you know, 50 cities in a county and have 50 different tax rates on top of the county rate or, or state sales tax. And so it was an interesting idea. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, having the index to the sales tax for the area, which would automatically flow. So in the people in the more impoverished areas that don't charge as much sales tax, don't have to pay as much. As a, as a side note, going back a few minutes when we were talking about the designation of our days, I think it's really funny that the Freemasons think I sleep eight hours a night. <laughs> yeah. We all wish we could get eight hours a night. Yeah. yeah so I think that, I think Connor brings up an interesting point too, that I, I want, so in my heart, I feel that masonry, again, its goal is to improve us as individuals, right? In theory, that if we can make, if, if my, if I improve myself by whatever it is, 1% a year, because I'm a mason, that slowly my arc bends towards being a better man and that sort of stuff. It's not an instantaneous process or anything, but it's there. But I'd like to start, think that if someone had started when they were 21, that that 1% a year bend by the end of their lifetime, there you go, by the end of your lifetime, would you would be, you'd be a way better person than I am, that's for sure. That, that you would be, that, that slow deflection has more time to work and it has more impact in their lives. Well, than, I, already, I already have this goal that I want to live to be old enough that the Grand Lodge of British Columbia has to make a hundred-year jewel for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it's, so I, I, I feel the, the, instinct to keep to try and accommodate younger and younger guys into the fraternity i think that's a that's a, a valid point and i wish i had a good answer for it because the the other half of my brain says yeah but we can't you know we can't bankrupt our lodges trying to do it kind of thing there's a happy medium in there somewhere and i think and I if we were to have is. i think if we were to have the dues that were so so too expensive it would it would it would ruin kind of part of the purposes of demolay because when you look at demolay you're expected or demo you're not expected but it's fairly common 
that a DMLA will go from being a DMLA to being a Freemason. When I was a when I was a DMLA, Phoenix chapters dues were fifty dollars a year. Now, if I went from paying fifty dollars a year to paying twelve hundred dollars a year, that would be a little bit of a shell shock. So, not only in that scenario, but especially if there's so much talk, especially in this jurisdiction of British Columbia and Yukon, of the younger Masons being the 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 most important. They are the future of of the free of Freemasonry, right? Right. Well, that's all well and good, but if you create a price curtain in in Victoria, there's a there's a municipality called Oak Bay, which is really expensive, and they call it the Tweed Curtain because you can't get there unless you can afford to pass the Tweed Curtain. So if there's if there's a Tweed Curtain into into Brit into Freemasonry then you're only going to get like 40 or 50 year olds, like the old farts like you guys who can afford that. Sort of thing. But, but now if you think about it now, why would a lodge charge so much in dues? They have to have a, a, a value proposition or nobody's going to pay it. Right now, if that happens to be, you know, that every meeting includes a banquet and education and a speaker or something like that and there's a, a designed format okay that appeals to a certain amount of people just like ashler college appeals to connor because he's an intellectual right it doesn't appeal to me so i have no reason to want to join ashler lodge right? just so you specify just to specify ashler college and ashler lodge oh, pardon me ashler college right okay i'm a member of both but they're separate Right. So, and it's like going into Scottish Rite. Is there a perceived value for me there? Yes, there is. Am I willing to pay what it costs to go there? Yes, I am. And now that the Rose Croix and the, and the, and the consistory, they're all part of that. Okay. So now am I prepared to pay for those? Is there enough value there? Yes. For me, I see value in it. Now I love to eat. So if my lodge said, Hey, you know, we're doing uh, 10 meals a year. Your dues are $400, and, but that includes your meals, and then we're going to have a sit-down catered meal and so on. That appeals to me, right? Number but one. Henderson number one. Lodge Henderson Lodge does catered dinners, not every meeting. But this year, as junior warden-elect, I've been – or not junior warden-elect yet, but the junior warden-designate, I have been uh, – I've been starting to look at – what caterers I'm going to use. And we have sit down meals before the, the meal or before the lodge meeting. And we're not charging. We only charge 200 bucks a year. But you, you, you um, include how many meals a year? 10. And oh, you, you're going, you're you're going backwards then. You're going backwards then on if you're, if your catering's not $5 a, a meal or $10 a meal, you're going backwards on your income. Right. But, but just the fact that, Henderson Lodge has those banquets before every meeting, okay? If that was of interest to me, I would join that lodge. If it cost me $300, $500, whatever, if that was of interest. That's, so that's not like, like different. In, in the States, you guys have these uh, other lodges like their um, affini uh, what are they, uh, affinity lodges, They're like guys who are into football, and they all belong to – what do they call those? We, we don't have affinity lodges, really. 
They have in, them in maybe, England, though. Maybe not in Washington. No, some in the East Coast, Coast there's colleges and stuff. England's very. England has a a lot of affinity lodges. That's like there is an absolutely amazing lodge in London called Chelsea Lodge, and the lodge is entirely made up of showmen, like uh, en- entertainers. Right. Right. So if you were to go to like a master mason degree at Chelsea Lodge, it would literally be like going and sitting in on a play. That's how amazing their degree work is. I'm sure it is, right? But the 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 fact remains, if that's of interest to you, it's a special interest lodge. Okay, so this this lodge that's going to be charging five hundred or a thousand dollars induced isn't every lodge. Right, it's only going to be one or two lodges that might do something like that. Right now, I think David's point though was, you know, we need to be charging more dues so that we're not going backwards, um, etc. Right. More dues, we're not going backwards, but also, why did we join masonry? I know there's a social aspect to it, but we're also, Matt, like Matt talked about, the idea is to learn and grow as a man. And while I've, I've fully admitted on the show that I, I've, le- I've opened the book more in the last 20 episodes and done some studying that I haven't done in 10 years as a mason. And so this show has caused me to do more research and to learn about what I should be doing. And I, I, I was like, I texted earlier. I can't believe we're going to talk about it in the future. I didn't realize how much the information there was about the point within the circle or the circumpunct or whatever you want to call it. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently has, it has a funny name, (laughs) but I didn't know all of that information, all the history. So now there's a new guy going to be joining our lodge. He's joining us because we talked that we have some education and and I'm, I'm working on some other stuff too, but now I can actually tell the guy, yeah, I know some information. We can actually have a little education. We can have even more education. There's things available. And so when I joined Masonry, he told me it was 80 bucks. I also assumed that on Saturday mornings at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, I'd have to go to a trainings class for the next three years or four years as an, an apprentice Mason, as a, as a new guy, learning the ropes, just like I did in the military. And when that didn't happen, that became my expectation. And so now my expectation is if you call me and want me to come out at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday for an education class, I, out of 10 Masons, you'd get one or two, you know? So I think, again, like you said, the value, what's the value? If, if the value included uh, a, a retreat and I was expected to go and it was paid for as part of my dues, I would probably make time to get there. But if you tell me I need to spend $500 extra this year to go to that leadership retreat, I don't know if I can scrape that together. But if, again, if I already paid for it, I'd probably figure out how to get there. Yeah, so there's, there's a balancing act here, I think, in what we're saying between having enough money to operate the lodge and have it be, su- be successful, whatever that means. We should talk about what a successful lodge is sometime. But we, between having enough money to operate and be successful and support the programs of the lodge and being able to justify it in, in the value proposition that you offer your members. Well, to and take, those to things take are a, obviously tied together. They're not completely divorced from one another. To, take a, a, to, take, a term, to take a term directly from, the, the, from our ritual it is, you, you know, all of these things are all well and good, but it all comes down to the length of a brother's cable toe. And it, it literally says in, in one of the pieces in the ritual that you're not going to do anything if it brings to you, um, uh, I was just looking at this earlier at my lodge practice, but if it brings to you um, material injury to yourself or your dependents, right? So, so it's all well and good to be in Freemasonry, but Freemasonry is not supposed to make you broke. Unless yeah, the cable you run toe is like Grand so Master. We're done with that. 
Yeah, that, that, one was, that one was published a couple hours ago. So. I realize that, but I'm still, in this scenario, it's still a useful topic. Is if, it's, if it's not within someone's cable toe to pay X amount of dollars a year. I, 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 I yes, just making a joke. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and but I would agree though. I was, I would say that that you wouldn't have the cable toe. You wouldn't have been introduced to the cable toe if you weren't able to afford the dues to begin with. So I, I think, I think a lot of lodges have reduced their entry threshold so much that they're just getting any, anybody. And I, I was part of that. And I feel, I feel like as I, if I want to change the rules, then I'm changing it. I need to change it for myself as well. My, my past self, so to speak, you know, 10 years ago when I joined. So what would I, what would I still do 10 years ago? And I got to be careful. I do want to be careful that I don't, not changing the rules so much that nobody can join or people wouldn't join. Well, see, we had this perceived value discussion in our lodge and <clears throat> we polled the membership. And as the members come in, we were polling them as well because we implement the six step program. And in doing so, we found that they wanted education. They wanted these things. So our lodge uh, created programs to facilitate meeting those wants and needs of our membership. And thankfully, there hasn't been a, a cost to it, right? Um, but if it was the want and, want and uh, uh, desire of the membership to do things differently, like um, pay for all our members to go to a leadership conference and, and things like that, that uh, would be one uh, unique thing. Um, I, I think it's a great idea, you know, and yes, it might mean that that lodge dues go up, you know, um, and maybe the way to do those things uh, so that it is uh, not so limiting. I mean, the fact is if, if, if uh, I couldn't afford to go to Grand, like next year, I, I couldn't afford to go to Grand Lodge next year. It's going to be on Vancouver Island over in Connor's hometown, right? And so Connor's going to be able oh, to go. Hold, hold on. Next year is going to be our 150, 50th anniversary. Yeah, you better and, show up. And, and the problem is it's cost prohibitive for me to go. So I'm choosing not to go to that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm spending my money traveling within my district here and being an active Mason in my district. Is it worth me going Grand Lodge always there's, there's great information always, but it can also be disseminated through uh, other means. Um, and we always get reports back and so on. So will I go? Probably not because it's cost prohibitive. If my dues included it and I was every member of my lodge was going to Grand Lodge because uh, it was part of our dues and program, all right, I'm going to make my best effort to go. But it's important to specify that that cross-prohibitiveness is not because of the cost of Grand Lodge. It's because of the cost of traveling and more specifically the hotel room. For right. sure. Right. It's to travel, right? But now if we do these other things like make it optional, you can opt in on this program. We have a program in our lodge where, you know, our dues are this and we have an optional educational component that, you know, our members pay X for, you know, the extra $250. Now, those who are seeking education, they'll pay that extra money, right? Those who aren't and who are in it for the brotherly love and affection like me, 
then it, I don't have to pay that money because I'm not going for the education stuff. Maybe having that option there is a new way to think about different levels of dues to accommodate those who can't afford. Hey, Matt, Dave, do you, do you guys want to tell him that he runs an education podcast? <laughs> I, 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 I garner myself on that idea too, because in, even in our title, we talk about a casual conversation. So yes, I, I want this show to be a little more educational, especially on occasion, but I do like this. We're having a great conversation and I think there's value to it. And so I, I, I'm, I think we can have other shows too that are a little more educational that we can feed in and we can that's, have some training. That's so when we get Trevor. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We have someone to come on that has a little more expertise and, and some depth to it. I'm, I'm also biased. I'm, I'm learning how to do some of this stuff because I want to do this for our Grand Lodge and for my own lodge and stuff. I want to have an education program. I want to record it all. And I want to have interaction. I want to have a Connor Massey from uh, BC come on and talk to us about Freemasonry in Canada. And that'll be a segment that guys from my lodge can come on and watch and learn about Masonry in Canada. What I'd a love cool, to. What a cool topic to be part of and pay that extra $200 a year potentially. I don't, that's an interesting idea. If, it, if there's costs involved in hosting the videos, whatever. But what, what about what wouldn't be awesome to have it at this educational repository of all this not just stuff you can read, but stuff you can listen to and watch. So I think we're, we're running to the end of our, our uh, half an hour of uh, the episode, the second half of this dues discussion. So I want to discuss something real quick. So if we can just go around, uh, do each of our lodges, do you have life memberships? Uh, I'll start with, I don't know, Stephen, do you guys have life memberships? We used to, but life memberships in British Columbia have been um, uh, undone by Grand Lodge. Oh, wow. There is no more life memberships in our Jewish. Really? So is that, I assume it's the same, obviously, for Gunner? <laughs> well, we do have a few life members in my lodge, but it's more the lodge just pays for them. What, mm -hmm. uh, what, when they undid it, what happened to those funds? Those funds got returned to the lodges to do with what they felt was right. Uh, really? If the, if the members were still alive, the members should have gotten their money back. If the members were not uh, and had passed, um, then the lodge has those funds to do with what they will. To to clarify what I was saying earlier, is these people who, I, I might be mistaken on this, but to my knowledge, one of my lodges has at least one member who has done enough and the lodge now pays his dues as like, like an honorarium. It's not like he spent X amount of dollars to become a life member. Okay. So David, is does your lodge does life memberships, I assume? We do have life memberships, and I'm also disappointed that 125-year-old lodge as we are, we only have a very small amount. I, we, again, I think we should have, if, if we had just paid for every, or every, every past master, if every past master had gotten a life membership, we'd have hundreds of, past, uh, hundreds of memberships. And just quickly, I know we have running out of time here, but I know someone suggested about the idea of dues. Maybe when a guy comes in, the dues are X amount, $150, whatever. And for his life, they're 150 dues. But the next guy that comes in next year, dues are now $200, and he has to pay $200 for his whole life. And the next year, the next guy is 250, and he has to pay 250 his whole life. So there's an idea. It kind of almost like a life membership concept. So the our lodge also does life memberships. Um, we're part, we participate in the Grand Lodge plan. Although I will say we have set our in our most recent dues increase, we went from 80 to 100 bucks. We set our life membership fees very high, well, what's perceived to be very high by the, the 
the people of Washington. What, what are um, they? So for the youngest age bracket, it's two thousand dollars for for the eighteen to thirty-five year old age bracket. It's two thousand dollars, which is about twenty years dues. And for the highest age bracket, for seventy-five plus, it's one thousand, and it's graduated in between there. It's you know one thousand, two thousand, seventeen fifty, fifteen hundred, twelve fifty, a thousand. See, and, but I don't want to get into a big discussion about this because we are running out of time. But from my point of view, paying two thousand dollars for a life membership would make sense for me. Like that—that exactly. that doesn't seem so, very high. Yeah, my brother. Exactly. Paid... I think it's still kind of low. But the point is that my so when I bought my life life membership should probably be a whole separate episode. But but I bought my life membership. It was five hundred and fifty bucks for me, and we get about maybe four percent back on our life memberships. So that's 22 bucks for my life membership a year. And then our per capita for Grand Lodge is 28 bucks. It just went to 34. So literally my lodge until I die is going to be losing money on me every year. And I, you know, contribute a couple extra bucks every year just to cover it or whatever. Hence why BC squashed the program because it was going backwards. It was great when we were getting double digit returns on the Mm -hmm. money. But when they're going backwards, it was costing them to facilitate the program. They said, whoa, we're going backwards. We don't want to do that. So they yep. squashed the program. But I also, I also think if, if every person got a life membership, that that pot would be so big over time. If, yeah, yeah, maybe on a per member basis. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've been known to say that the only good life member is a dead life member. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're running out of time, guys. So uh, – I guess uh, any final words on uh, on dues? I have some final words for everyone. Hippopotamus, orange, and orangutan. Thank you, and Professor Dumbledore. My final words on dues is that they should be your your operating budget divided by your membership, and your membership makes up the budget and the plan for the year. So uh, it's self driven. I, I love that idea, Stephen, and I, I'm actually going to talk to my guys about that. However, I want to include uh, the plans for a million-dollar war chest in there, so it needs to it needs to increase. But I, I also think that there should be some monies in there, you at the lodge level or membership level or whatever, that include automatic education, opportunities for education. Again, I think even though we're all busy, we'd all find time to get to a weekend seminar or to a weekend retreat if we if it was already paid for. And I guess my final words would be to encourage the lodges to consider the value that you offer to your members and what it is you're giving them for that money. And if you charge a whole lot of money because you give them a whole lot of value, great. If you don't give them much value, then you're only driving them away with higher dues. So on that note, on behalf of uh, Stephen, Connor, David, and myself, thank you very much for watching the Working Tools podcast this week. And we look forward to hearing from you. Please leave us some comments and subscribe. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much. Good night.